This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Wednesday night, September 15th. Thank you for joining us here on Wrestling Inc. If you're watching us live on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Periscope, wherever it might be, or if you listen to After the Fact, audio only, that's your choice. We appreciate it. I'm Justin Labar alongside Alfred Kunua. As Alfred, we are uh, right now, we are just sandwiched right now in between some major, major shows for AEW Dynamite tonight, a setup show to four hours of, uh, of, of what they refer to as basically pay-per-view on TNT over two nights next week. So, so much to talk about. And then there's other things in the wrestling world to touch on as well. How are you doing? You're looking dapper as always. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, try to dress up uh, for our Wednesday shows. I really look forward to these. Uh, but no, I look forward to all the shows. Uh, it was a very fun show, I thought. I thought they did a good job. I'm feeling great. Um, I had a good day, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about the, the big news. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about um, for the next two shows we're going to be having between AEW Dynamite and Rampage. Yeah, so much going on. Uh, obviously, again, AEW's momentum just there. I mean, you know, whether it's what you're seeing in the programming, whether it's potential fantasy booking and rumors that's swirling across social media and the web, uh, really nothing qu- quite compares to AEW, at least nothing in the last 15 to 20 years that does not have the letters WWE. So yeah. a fun time if you're a wrestling fan, a fun time if you are on the AEW wagon, as we know many people are who are watching this show tonight. So we'll touch on all that good stuff. But uh, first, Alfred, let's touch on some other news, uh, both of which have, I guess, maybe on the periphery AEW uh, ramifications, but they are what they are for the moment. Let's start with NXT. Of course, there's been the big countdown to NXT 2.0, which was live last night from a revamped set at the Performance Center. This, of course, anybody who's out of the loop, this has been the first live NXT in some weeks. It's also a, a new NXT, obviously, by the 2.0 name, but also uh, new logo, new look. Even we're told, uh, you know, new uh, new control behind the scenes or new more hands-on control, maybe we should say, behind the scenes with Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn, and some more people synonymous with the main roster Raw and SmackDown supposedly having their touch uh, more so than the NXT godfather, uh, Triple H. So we'll have to see how it shapes out. But that NXT 2.0 had its revamp edition last night, Alfred. And, hey, pretty good news on the numbers here. According to Show Buzz Daily, it drew 770,000 viewers on the USA Network. Now, that is up 28% from the previous week. And then, of course, that all-important 18-49 to 49 key demo, the, it drew a .21 in that demo, and that's up 50% from the prior week. So, uh, I mean, there's, that's a headline. That's a positive headline, right? Very much so. It's a very good number, very close to uh, some of the best numbers that they've ever done on Tuesday nights. And I feel like there's a lot of curiosity about the NXT show. They did a good job promoting it. Everybody, whether it was people who watch NXT regularly or our main Wasser fans, had an opinion about the new NXT logo and the various colors they were using. And I think, you know, we all heard that song, which is a dope song by Wale, uh, Down South. 
uh, song. I thought it was a very good episode, too. We were talking about it yesterday, and I really do like that it did present itself as something different from what we're used to, not only in terms of NXT, but in terms of pro wrestling, the landscape of pro wrestling. I feel like if they kind of lean into what NXT is trying to create, with it's more kind of a traditional developmental with some wackiness in terms of that wedding, which I thought was fantastic. If they kind of create their own niche show, I think they could really build an audience doing this as something that is different and will then incentivize people to watch. Yeah, you know, going into this NXT 2.0, I said to myself, you know, I'm expecting on Wednesday for us to get the news that viewership was up from the previous week, thinking, how tough is that? The bar set pretty low. These last couple weeks of tape shows, which were kind of like the, you know, the the throwaway shows, if you will, it felt like, you know, the tape shows are the last of the previous direction. Uh, so I thought, you know, how hard is it going to be to go up? But this increase, if you look at NXT as a whole since being on USA Network, this is, I mean, these are pretty, you know, these are pretty significant numbers. This is some of the best shows that they have actually done, the best numbers they've done on USA. So uh, will they sustain it? We'll have to see. But I, I agree with you. Uh, I thought that this show, you know, I, there was things I liked about it. You know, there was, it did have a brighter feel. Uh, to Raj Geary's credit, Raj has been harping this for years with NXT. He felt that it was just too dark, too, um, you know, too underground, so to speak. You know, a lot of colorful vibes, upbeat. I like the fact that matches weren't that long. Yes, uh, this is something I harp on a lot. I, I, I'm not saying that it means that you need to have. And I'm not saying the matches can't be good, but not every match needs to be 15, 20 minutes, two segments. You know, I, I think quicker matches. You know, put emphasis on the entrances, put emphasis on the characters, on the promos. Uh, save the longer matches for the main event. Save the longer matches for the payoff stories. And so the format of what they did last night, granted, it was only one week, but the format. Uh, felt felt energetic. I absolutely love that. And, you know, people like their wrestling a certain amount of weight. And NXT for so many years appealed to that hardcore fan where it was essentially a super indie with all this wrestling. And that's all well and good. But I do think that NXT as a show, if they're going to kind of survive and build an audience, are going to have to differentiate themselves. And that formula that they used with the traditional NXT did not work in terms of a head-in-head environment with AEW. I think AEW is a superior version of that. And I think what NXT is trying to build now is much better. And actually, a lot of that point, I love the production by the way a lot of this show uh, from the shorter matches to the emphasis on these wrestlers to the smaller soundstage reminded me of like an old school kind of turner network era show it reminded me of what they do on nwa every tuesday nights where they have that small soundstage and there is a little more wrestling on that but they do emphasize more interviews and characters and i have no problem with that yeah no neither do i um you know i always thought that was that was kind of a definition of nxts to be a, a studio wrestling show with a million dollar budget uh, week to week, um, they still can have that with this look. You know, we'll see what the long term plan though is uh, is of NXT. Do we still get NXT pay per views? Do we still get takeovers, uh, or is it strictly you're staying here in Florida? We're controlling expense. We're controlling uh, you know any narrative of it being of equal stature to to Mondays and Fridays, or no, it truly is just the the up-and-coming third brand where the talent is up-and-coming. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but so far, off to a good start, though, for NXT 2.0 last night on the USA Network. I didn't even think about that, the idea that they might not even have takeovers anymore. They call it TakeOver 2.0, or they have another name for it. That, that'll be a story to follow. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, I, I mean, I guess the next one – you know, you, the one you think they'd have to do would be in November around Survivor yeah. Series. You know, uh, you know, takeovers always follow the main main weekends, and then they they branched out, had some other ones. But you know, we we got no Triple H media call uh, ahead of the uh, takeover that took place the day after SummerSlam. Uh, obviously, Triple H, as best we know, is actually still recovering uh, from his recent procedure. So, I mean, you know, he he's kind of right now <clears throat> off in the silence, and maybe you know, and quite honestly, Alfred, you know, that we all speculated. Oh, no Triple H media call. What does this mean with all the rumors swirling? You know, but now it may have just simply have been coincidental. Maybe he really was. That was at a time where he was dealing with some medical issues. And so he had to scratch a media call and it just happened to look suspicious by the time. We, we don't know. And only time is going to tell to see if he resurfaces, if we if those media availabilities come back around. Uh, yeah. If there is a takeover or do they incorporate NXT in any, any which way into Raw or SmackDown uh, big events? So. We'll wait and see. We'll also have to wait and see, but maybe not for as long, what the future could be for Paige. Remember Paige? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, the former Divas champion continues to fuel the rumors and speculation on her future. She took to Twitter today and simply tweeted one word, Alfred. January. 
Uh, so she's, of course, been uh, teasing and kind of alluding to maybe not being done yet in the ring, uh, talking about how she's uh, uh, you know, had a flexing emoji a couple of weeks ago saying, I'm not done yet. Uh, it turns out it looks like her deal is um, her, her current deal actually expired. It's going to it's gonna expire uh, next year in June of 2022. So uh, what that means there, then we hear January. I really, it's hard to kind of keep track of these timelines out for because we've like the Kevin Owens situation. We, we get told one thing some years ago, the contract goes to here, but then we're finding out, especially off of the pandemic situation in the last year and a half, the contracts have been restructured or what have you. So it's, it's, I, I guess if she's saying January, that may, that leads me kind of to believe that, uh, the current deal she's under with WWE, uh, would expire by then. And she's got her eyes set on either a new deal with them that includes her wrestling or probably more popular her going elsewhere. Yeah, and that's what the implication is, and I think she's very much aware that that's how people are going to perceive it. Uh, there's always a potential that this is a big old troll job, and she's just talking about a new design for a Twitch account in January or something else. But uh, I do really hope, and I think it would be a feel-good story to see Paige get back in there because we have seen one comeback story after another in pro wrestling. And even though you kind of keep your heart in your throat, especially when it comes to a neck injury, we saw Edge have really, I think, a fantastic comeback thus far. Daniel Bryan, of course, Um so Paige has said that she's influenced and inspired by things like that. So I would not be surprised if Paige, who has, it sounds like if you've been following her Twitter even before all these te- teases, has been saying that she's, whether it was surgery, whether it was working out or whatnot, really does seem like she's at least training for an interview return. It's really all she's known is professional wrestling since she was a little girl. So I would really like to see her come back as long as she's cleared by the right doctors and she's doing it, you know, for herself and for her, you know, personal well-being, because this is something she legitimately loves doing. I would love to see that come back. And January is such a great month to to tease. You know, the start of the new year. It's traditionally it's when Royal Rumble is. Uh, actually, I think Rumble's going to get pushed possibly to February because the NFL schedule's wow. changing this year. But still, I mean, it's a great time to to kind of tease to with, with what she could have going on. But I agree. If she is medically cleared, um, I mean, she's still in her. I think she's still in her twenties. I yeah, mean, so that's why I mean, that's wild to think when she debuted the night after mania in New Orleans in 2014, I think she was what, 21, 22 21. years old, 21. So, you know, crazy to think that she's still in her late 20s as a con, you know, she's had a Hollywood move. She's had a, a, a Dwayne Johnson executive produced Hollywood movie made about her life uh, has done so much, had such a rise and fall in certain ways. In her career, uh, would certainly be great to see her get back on the rise, whether that's in WWE or wherever. Again, if she's uh, medically cleared and it's good to do so. So we'll wait and see where Paige ends up. We'd love to hear from you. If you got any comments you want to drop in there with a super chat, we encourage you to do so. All right, Alfred, let's take a look at AEW Dynamite tonight. Coming from Newark, New Jersey, the armpit of America's MJF. <laughs> would so candidly remind everybody a here a little times bit. tonight they said some stuff about New Jersey. They, they ragged on Jersey. This had to be a record amount of times for the word shit to yes, be said. For shit. I counted 11 and then I lost count. Then you lost count, yeah. And then I, I lost count after that. This one was, uh, <laughs> they, they had no problem, they had no problem uh, not touching the edit button, the dump button here tonight. Uh, but we kick it off a hot three minutes to start, though, on TNT with Dynamite. We immediately hear CM Punk's music. He's coming out. He's doing the victory lap. He's stage diving into people. Of course, this is all for him to make a very long walk and entrance to the commentary booth where he'd spend the first half of the show on commentary. So a nice little added value for this show. Again, this show that's kind of like a it's it, you know, it, it, we're coming off a big show last week. It's like this little in between. You know, it's got to set up again for these these big shows in Queens next week, which it would do quite nicely. But Punk comes out. He's occupying the first two and a half minutes with his music and with his energy. And then, boom, here comes Adam Cole for his first in-ring match in AEW so energy galore off the bat here and, and that's there you have it AEW's opening up with Adam Cole in a singles match with CM Punk on commentary talking about him this is where we're at here in September of 2021 <laughs> just how everybody had it drawn up in January right exactly exactly uh Cole's gonna go up against Kazarian a pretty a pretty competitive match contested match at one point Kazarian even blocks the Panama Sunrise uh but ultimately uh, Cole eventually does hit it, and then after that sunrise, uh, he hits him with the exposed knee, gets the win. Uh, Adam Cole hops on the uh, onto the mic, talks about how um, you know basically three guys have gotten underneath of his skin. Names Christian Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, so he challenges uh, that he and the Young Bucks will take on 
them next week. Uh, of course, again, they're going to be two nights in Queens, uh, four hours over, over combined of, of this uh, great what is it, Rampage Grand Slam, two hours on Wednesday, two hours on Friday. Uh, are, are, is that, are you excited for, is, is that the right call, a, a six-man tag match with, uh, with, with these players there? I think so. I don't have a problem with it. I, I think this is going to be a very good match, especially because of AEW's track record with trios matches. And I like that this is being marketed as a trios match. They have a lot of teams of three that they do a good job with. They kind of unofficially have a division just with no titles when you look at all the stables they have. And I think they do this very well. So in terms of AEW and how it brands itself, I think if this was in WWE, it would be telegraphing that they didn't have anything for these guys. But this sounds perfectly like this is something that they've been feuding since Adam Cole got here. He's been feuding with John Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. His heel turn came with a super kick on Jungle Boy. So this does seem like a, a direction that they're headed. And I think it's going to be fantastic. And by the way, so this is a super click with Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Cole has been associated with the Undisputed Era, Bullet Club, the, what was it, the Mount Rushmore with Kevin Owens. And the and now he's with the Elite. So he's pretty much been in more stables than Seabiscuit. Uh, but get it how you live, Adam Cole, with all these stables he's in. And I am looking forward to this. I think this is going to really steal the show. And you had an excellent statement there. This would have been, this would normally be the booking that would in WWE right that would deflect of oh they have nothing for them let's throw them all together and occupy some time, but not here. This is a this is this the trios match can mean something it matters and and uh, so yeah, Alfred he, he's with the heel group, he's coming out of the heel tunnel, he's got the heel mannerisms, but good golly Miss Molly he is just over like Rover they have no interest in booing him. Right, and that's the, that's the one. As I thought this was a fantastic match, and Kazarian is really good in that gatekeeper role where he wrestles a guy who's just coming in. Uh, so I thought they worked well together. The one flaw, I think, in this match is Adam Cole was so over, and he was working so hard to be a heel, especially early in this match, trying to get people to settle down and boo him, that it really did kind of slow things down and make it awkward uh, when you just saw how over he was as a babyface. And, uh, and that's kind of a fundamental problem with AEW, especially this culture. I think it's more of a cultural thing in the style uh, that they're doing with uh, the, the wrestling is at the forefront. So a lot of these guys just revered, especially for the characters they built maybe over the years. But a lot of these guys are just revered by this audience. And it's hard to create like a legitimate uh, heel. That's the problem with Malachi Black that I'm noticing right now. Yeah, but I think I think Cole might be the tallest mountain to climb uh, of that problem that you just spoke of, because he's he's a guy who's you know, he's got cool music. He's got a he's got a a good look to him but he it's a relatable look yeah i don't know how to say this without sounding like i'm a huge adam cole fan as everybody knows but he's the most relatable he's a guy you know the, a fan can say okay well he kind of looks like my brother he looks you know he, he, he doesn't he doesn't i don't know he, he's relatable but he's cool he's got a he's got a cool girlfriend who everybody likes to cheer for who's in the same boat she's booked as a heel but everybody wants to cheer yeah. you know he He's got that love from the crowd because he's coming off of being in WWE where, of course, you can say, oh, they missed a mark. With, you know, they could have done even more of them, but he did the right thing, stuck around, did business the right way. So it's like you kind of respect him from the behind the scenes, stuff like that. He did business the right way. You know, like it, it's such a tall task to try to really sell and get him to, to, to be booed. You know, he's just, I think I think him more than Malachi Black, him more than you know, even even Britt. It's just he he's just got such a factor of, yeah, we want this guy just to be top of the moon here. So Yeah, and when you look at, I think more than anybody who's come from WWE, I think AEW fans really take pride in the fact that Adam Cole went to AEW. I don't know why it feels like that more so than anybody. I think a lot of other people weren't booked well, and they were in bad situations and then came. And Daniel Bryan is quite up this alley, and I think it's too early to tell with him right now, but I just think there is this euphoria like, yeah, we stole that guy. We got that guy from WWE. He's ours now, and he's someone that they've always related to because, you know, he kind of falls under this elite uh, category and whatnot and i just feel like there is a certain pride in the fact that they, adam cole chose them over wwe well yeah i mean out of the foundation out of the pillars uh, of AEW, i mean he's the guy that definitely was a very synonymous to be a part of that uh, you know with the bucks and with and and so then the fact that he's in wwe and the fact it looks like at one point he might be a major star in wwe and then oh all of a sudden contracts are up and nobody realizes contracts up and you know, I think I think yeah, I think there is a certain like, oh my god, we actually we didn't think we'd have Adam Cole here for years if yeah. we did it all, and, and we got him here. We are so so uh, one of many things to uh, that for their promoting up for next Wednesday and next Friday. Up next, MJF in the ring, just again berating uh, New Jersey, talking about how bad New Jersey sucks. Then proceeds that he wants to talk to uh, Brian Pillman Senior. 
<clears throat> Alfred, this was the stuff of, uh, of, of, of heel work here. He begins to talk to Mr. Pillman Sr., uh, dressing up in the heavens, and then says, oh, who am I kidding, and then proceeds to look below uh, and, and just continues to run down Brian Pillman Sr., saying, talk to your son. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. would interrupt him, uh, comes from behind uh, as Wardlow tried to cut him off in the aisleway. Pillman Jr. comes from the crowd. Uh, this, I mean, in, in a matter of just two weeks, Brian Pillman Jr. went from being you know, guy on the fringe that was, you know, at the, at the, at, at the Daly's Place Center shows. He's just one of the guys in the ringside crowd, one of the extra wrestlers. He's going from that to now he is at a major, major show next week in Queens up against the top heel in the company. Um, I mean, I mean, what a push. But I mean, you can't we, we, we can't not spend time on this. M- again, two weeks in a row, this MJF just. I mean, yeah. just a, <laughs> good thing he's not wrapping these promos because uh, he'd be in a lot of trouble, Mister. But uh, yeah, he went <laughs> way extreme once again. It, it's very reminiscent of Randy Orton's promo against Eddie Guerrero, which got him a lot of flack. So uh, very interesting. Uh, I just think MJF has to work harder and harder to get booed because people do boo MJF, and he does a good job getting over his heel. But I don't think people initially want to boo him. Like even though he does a good job. I think they understand that he's cool and he wants to create that line that like, no, I'm a bad guy and he's willing to do anything to do that. And he just, it feels like he's squeezing four weeks worth of promos in two weeks in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it really does. They've gotten so much heat just a matter of two weeks. And I mean, again, the, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I mean, did Orton do that to her? I mean, addressing the heavens and then, and then no going south. Oh, yeah, that- that was the line as he said that like Eddie's dead and he's not in heaven, he's in hell. So it was okay. a little less subtle, uh, but it was pretty much the same idea. Yeah, I mean, just the heat. I mean, again, the, the methany and, um, you know, I, obviously, or I would assume, I hope the Pillman family is given a uh, great blessing to go ahead on. Brian would want, Brian Senior would want it this way. He'd want to get the heat on the match here. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, just intense stuff. I mean, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what do we get out of here? Because the, the wild card is Wardlow here. I mean, they continue to tease off and on. Obviously, you know, uh, Wardlow is there to do, uh, you know, MJF's bidding as every bodyguard, you know, client uh, relationships had over the years. Where eventually, the bodyguard turns on them. You know, uh, Wardlow has been very reluctant to get too physical with Pillman. Uh, MJF continues to kind of berate at Wardlow when he gets when he finds the need to. So I just wonder. I mean, obviously, MJF just came off of a loss to Jericho. I'm not suggesting he lose. Again, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't think that they would thrust Pillman this quickly into a into a babyface role against this heel uh, without some kind of protective booking in mind for this match. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that uh, story with Wardlow is something that they're maybe going to build toward maybe the next pay-per-view. I feel like had they timed this storyline out and given it enough time, this would be a good time to peak toward MJF and Wardlow split happening in New York at that big show. I think that's the perfect stage for something like that, given the fact they've been together since day one. But I just, I think this is a problem with a lot of matches on the show is that a lot of them came together within the last couple of weeks where I just think it would be premature if they broke up come next week. Uh, but I do see them trending toward that area. All right, we got some super chats here. Uh, Brett Richardson, 499. Adam Cole should maybe drop the baby from his entrance. Or tell the fans no more. Or get my drift. No, it's not that easy, Brett. It doesn't work that way. Um, I mean, it is a cool heel thing to do. It, if he's really committed to being a heel, he wouldn't do that. But it's, I mean, it's it's a vibe when he does that baby thing in these uh, big full crowds. It's just one of those kind of superstar moments that I just think you do not take away from your gimmick. Yeah, I mean, there's guys that would, there's guys that w- that they wish they could go out and pay every member of the audience to be that in sync. Uh, for your entrance and, and and to be on this on the on the queue for all the different things that he does, you, you just you don't you just don't take that away from them. You just don't. Um, it's 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 the stuff that every wrestler dreams of. Uh, Jay Lane, five dollars. I just got back from Dynamite and TV does not do it justice how loud it was for MJF. It did seem like it was loud for MJF, man, especially when he had that New Jersey skank line. The New Jersey fans do not like you talking about their women like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought it came across that they were allowed on TV. Didn't you see that? that? It was loud. I mean, it, and I, I love how about the journey of the Jersey women because <laughs> he even Paul Heyman a week or so ago to which we call it uh, saying you, being a Jersey girl, whatever yeah, one of the yeah. backstage interviewers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, the, the women in Jersey not getting any love. <laughs> Five dollars from Sean Wiley. I think another reason why wrestlers are going to AEW is the creative freedom. 
and non-PG rating of AEW. I think that's a total factor. Absolutely, Sean. I mean, certainly the non-PG, you know, yeah, it gives you a little bit more uh, leeway again, as we heard with the language tonight, but, but more so is the creative freedom. Wrestlers don't mind having, wrestlers don't mind being told, hey, you can't say, you know, these curse words, you got to keep it more PG. That's still, that they can still operate there with as long as they have creative freedom. Because that creative freedom is more, not so much how many curse words can you drop, but it's more about, you know, where is the character going? How, how are we telling the story? That range. Uh, and yeah, I think absolutely that that's been something that we've seen AEW has been thriving on is letting these guys and girls help write their own stories. The thing that they have to I have to stress is just to make sure you don't let the inmates run the asylum to make sure you still have a quality control factor. Uh, I feel like there was some rough goings with this in the first year. I feel like the last year they've really cleaned this up, um, you know, which is credit to them of kind of getting more organized about what they have going on creatively, making sure they're not duplicating too many things back to back to back segments. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Alfred, I mean, I can't, I can't think of any big, greater reasons, even aside from yeah. money. I can't think of any greater reasons of why guys and girls are going to AW aside from the creative freedom. That's got to be a number one. Yeah. And that's the thing I was going to say. I mean, it, it's not just another reason. It might be the reason. And I think the only reason I would think of above creative freedom is just that opportunity is just, if you're a wrestler who maybe knows their worth, knows that they would be popular and connect with that type of fan base, um, which wrestlers have a very good understanding of that in terms of the type of people who would cheer for them and whatnot. And you're in WWE and you don't think you're being used properly. And you, you just see the grass on greener on the other side. I think the number one reason might be that opportunity that they think that if I go to AEW, it's just not going to work. Uh, the way it has here in WWE, it'll work better for me over there. And then, of course, WWE is known for its structure. You have to do this and that and the other and remember this and that. And I just think that idea of I get to just go and wrestle and I just get to go and be myself or, or whatever it is they think, that creative freedom is a huge reason. Yeah, you know, we, we, we'd hear guys, prior to AEW, you know, in the last decade, we'd hear guys or girls be willing to leave WWE, especially if they felt like they had a little bit of a financial safety net and they could afford to they'd be okay to leave WWE, and they'd you know maybe say oh i you know, went and did impact or i did ring of honor or i did the indies not because i was going to make more money uh or i was going to be more famous or seen by more eyes but it was just fun it made wrestling fun again now you have this situation where you can go to a company like an AEW and have fun and make comparable if not more money which is you know so that's you know, again, momentum in all in a lot of ways really in AEW's f- favor right now, and, and, and momentum's a funny thing. It oh, will, yeah. it, it can sway. It, it very easily can shift. So I'm not, you know, again, um, you know, not not saying anything definitive here, but I mean, right now is a high time for AEW. They're they're riding high. <clears throat> all right, we get FTR versus uh, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Uh, not much to say here. FTR is going to come back later around, but they're going to get the uh, their hit to finish and get the win here. Uh, FTR certainly. I know we had some comments in, in previous weeks. Certainly, FTR. Uh, trying to get back in some rhythm. There's a little bit of injury there for them. So certainly after their, uh, you know, feuds that they had with the Bucks, and then of course being part of the the Pinnacle, which the Pinnacle is kind of, it's there but it's not. It's like, it's like Same in three, inner circle. It's just yeah, like it's like they're like in three pieces. Yeah, kind of thing. But certainly FTR yeah. trying to get back into to a groove themselves. They're all getting spinoffs right now, and then maybe they'll come together for a reunion someday. Exactly. A spinoff is a perfect way to put it. Uh, then we get Malachi Black. He kind of interrupts everybody, uh, does his awesome int- uh, entrance, <laughs> gets on the mic, Alfred, and he says, there is an enemy within our midst. <laughs> and I start thinking, ooh, who could this be? And I start, like, quickly running through names. <laughs> and then they cut to the ringside. It's Rosario Dawson. <laughs> was that one of the names that came to your mind? That was oh, not no. one of the names that came to mind. <laughs> Uh, Rosario Dawson, of course, famous actress. Uh, she's part of the um, the reality show that Cody does. She's the judge on the uh, what is it, the, the 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 big big show, the, big, the Go Big Show, <clears throat> the Go Big Show, whatever. Paul Paul White can jump in there. Um, so she's out there. So like Black and her are like now like face to face. Then we cut to Cody Rhodes. He's storming down in a bright red suit from the crowd. Which why is he coming out of the crowd? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that either. I don't know. And it took so much longer for him to get there. Like, your co- like if you're there in the building, you're you're there. Like, nobody believes that Cody was just in the concession stand or in the parking lot. Like, if you're there, you, we know you're in the back. Like and We've seen. They've set a precedent to where they've gone to the back, and you've seen Cody backstage with a headset at Gorilla. So why aren't you uh, there? Yeah, I don't know. That, that one kind of baffled me. I mean, I, I don't know. But he, anyways, he's coming from the crowd. And as he's doing that, Rosario Dawson jumps on Black's back. Uh, all hell breaks loose. As uh, Black and Cody fight, of course, they're going to have their uh, rematch uh, next week in Queens. 
Um, I mean, I, it, I, I, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to pan this. I mean, it wasn't a fail. I mean, it was just a little reminder, a little go-home segment, but it's kind of a, a lot of random, a lot of things I'm just scratching my head at here. Yeah, overall, I did not like this. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a fail either, but I, I understand that Cody has to get something before next week because I do think uh, Malachi Black wins that. I think it would be a huge mistake to have them beat Malachi Black at this point. But uh, so I didn't mind the brawling, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. Just the whole element of Rosario Dawson or this just random celebrity kind of stepping to Malachi Black. And I do think that the commentary announced team was trying to put over that, oh, God, she's putting herself in danger. But that never really paid itself off in terms of, you know, I thought they were just going to tease that, and then Cody comes in and jumps her. But the fact that she jumped on him, and uh, he really did look a little bit silly for a guy who's acted so much about Mystique. And he's basically somebody I see as, like, the Undertaker of AEW. And I could never picture the Undertaker agreeing to something like this. Well, and, like, show Rosario Dawson at the beginning of the show. Show that she's sitting there. Show that she's in attendance. Yeah. You know, show her. Put the name plate. You know, whatever the, the reality show's coming back. Whatever. Like, just give some con. Like, it was just a little bit almost too random i guess is where i'm getting yeah. at here um but yeah cody and malachi black next week <laughs> jj smith two dollars cody was getting a hot dog <laughs> that's why he was up and look was a hot dog suit. hey if you're an if, yeah uh if you're an evp you have the hot dogs brought to you all right you don't need to go <laughs> up there chasing down the condiments and fixings bar all right we got a backstage uh dark order again fighting over their leadership lack of leadership Alfred, I told you last week. I told you where I know that I think this is going. It smells like it. You wow. need a leader. We got to be getting towards a leader. We got rumors. Rumors. Uh, close to Rochester. We'll see if it happens there. We'll see. Uh, you know, like you said about the contracts, we don't know what these contracts are. And I like that. I like that there's now been poison in the contract pool to where we don't know whose contract is up when. So now that entitlement and that, oh, well, he's going to be here in October. No, 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 no. It's more of that Monday night wars feel where anybody can show up anytime. So I like that. And, it, you know, if they do need a leader, it, it, that is a good choice. It would be a good choice for, for Wyndham to get in there. Which, by the way, I didn't realize that he uh, called you out on Twitter. He did call me out on Twitter. Did. <laughs> I didn't realize it until after we recorded last week. I didn't. Re- I didn't see it until after the fact. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw it. I didn't say. You know, he, he liked one part of the tweet. He didn't like the other part of me calling one of his fans an incel. I, I wasn't talking about that gentleman in particular. I was talking about the idea of people bringing anti WWE signs to events and then getting surprised and get kicked out. But that's not the message. The message was support black wrestling. So if he wants to talk to me about that, we can have a conversation. Don't get hot. <laughs> Big fan of Bray Wyatt, as everybody, anybody who watches podcast knows. But uh, listen, I, I saw it. I moved on. Just no sell it. Exactly. No sell. It. All right. Uh, Dan Lambert and Top America Top Team in the ring once again. Five foot eight, hundred forty pound dorks, super kicks, jumping off the balcony, and they still kick out at two, and you people go crazy. <laughs> Chris Jericho and Jake Hager interrupts. Uh, we got pieces of shits and dipshits and yeah. Jericho talking about how he's not scared of the MMA. He makes reference to without naming. He says a UFC champion who's a beast. So without naming Brock Lesnar makes a reference to a backstage skirmish they had with Brock. Of course, that was famously uh, right after a SummerSlam, I believe, the Brock uh, busting open Randy Orton at the Barclays Center some years ago. And he made reference to somebody else, but I didn't catch the other one. Who Did you catch the other reference that he was making? Uh, Bill Goldberg. Uh, he was talking about raging Bill. Raging. Oh, was, oh, okay. I, okay. Yeah, I was in spot with Bill Goldberg. That reportedly <clears throat> won when when Bill Goldberg first got into WWE. Okay, that makes sense. I I I was writing and I missed the. Okay, but that makes sense. Uh, so Jericho kind of making references, and ultimately though, we as as some back and forth goes on, we're gonna get Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page up against Chris Jericho and Jake Hager next week in Queen. So uh, Dan Lambert will be at ringside for the biggest match uh, that he's been involved in at this point here. Uh, I, I, I like this. This is a great spot for Paige and Scorpio. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that a Dan Lambert promo led to something, as we were kind of talking about last week, where he just kind of cuts his promo and we're wondering, okay, well, what's next? Who's going to answer the bell? And, uh, yeah, this is a very good spot for them. This is going to be, I think, a really hot match. It'll be fun to see Jericho in New York and Arthur Ashe Stadium. But uh, yet another match that kind of came together at the last minute and for a show that we've known about for months. I would expect that tonight, by tonight, we would know the entire lineup and they would just really work on giving that final pitch. But a lot of this final pitch tonight was putting together these matches. Bad Keith Gaming, $2 Super Chat, needed that South Park shit counter for tonight. Yes, yeah, indeed. we did. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, we really did. Yeah, and I wonder, Alfred, uh, 
you know, we've we've known about the Wednesday show, next Wednesday show at Arthur Ashe, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was tonight the first night we got confirmation that they were going to have a two-hour rampage also on yeah. Friday? So, like, it feels like that may have came a little last minute, so that's where they've all of a sudden said, all right, well, we need to unload some stuff, and we need to be able to balance it between uh, Wednesday and Friday. Uh, right. Not complaining. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I did not, they did not say that it was going to be two hours on rampage for Friday. I know that uh, is something that's very new, but <clears throat> it makes sense for them to do that. You've you got to get as much out of this. And rampage needs it. It's been kind of out of the radar, but rampage has done a free fall since CM Punk came on that show. It's really gotten under 700,000. And they really need to take care of that time slot because it's Friday at 10 and it's not going to be easy to get people to keep tuning in. So I like that they put the CM Punk match on Friday. Yeah, Punk's matches on Friday, uh, Adam Cole's uh, six-man tag also on Friday. So, um, you know, yeah, tr- trying to balance it out. Yeah, I mean, f- t- 10 to midnight, too. Let's see how they do it for two hours uh, yeah. at, at that time slot. Oh, speaking of Adam Cole, there was a promo by Christian. I don't think we've gotten to you, but he did make a reference to Adam Cole losing the Wednesday Night Wars, and he was on Friday. Uh, I'll give it 24 hours until we see the headline that people in WWE are pissed off at Christian now. Yeah, Chris says something to the effect of, uh, well, since you're already used to losing on Wednesdays, let's go ahead and add Fridays to that. <laughs> yeah, that was a bar, man. Yikes. Uh, Matt Luna, $1.99 Super Chat. Dan said the F word. They didn't bleep it out. Really? I didn't catch that. I didn't. I think I remember that. Maybe you said <clears throat> another word or who knows. But there was a lot of shit in that segment. I don't think they could do the – I don't think they could not bleep the F word. That one I think you got to do. I didn't, I didn't catch that. But Yeah. Uh, we get a quick pre-tape gun club promo. I like this. Uh, Billy with his sons, you know, talking about how you know, we've been overlooked. We're just taking what we deserve. We earn it. And they basically note how all of them and any combination of them as a tag team or trio are all undefeated. They've had their losses as singles wrestlers, but as tags or trios, they're undefeated. And so they're just coming to take now what they feel is there. So I thought this was a nice little quick uh, less than a minute promo to kind of just give reason of why. Hey, why the hell would you turn heel on Paul White and give some some AEW real stat facts behind it? Yeah, very good promo by Billy Gunn. I absolutely love this. And I, it's always heels calling out this number system with AEW because this is how Bra- Breaker pretty much started her world title run. It's by calling out the ratings. And she was absolutely right. And now these heels are right about AEW's rankings. Well, another uh, piece of numbers for you. Uh, Jay Cargill's 14-0, and 0, I believe, in AEW. And she's up next here against legit Layla Hurst. No surprise here. Jay Cargill gets the win. So she's quietly on a much slower burn. It, it was... It was off to a pretty hot and heavy start when we had the stuff with Shaq and what have you. But it has since slowed up, and they space out her time on TV for matches, at least. They'll show some promos and some vignettes of her working out and just looking like a stud that she is. But there's that slow rise. They, they, I feel like they have some date circled on the calendar next year, yeah. some big show of when they want her to come to a collision uh, with their biggest heel, you know, uh, woman and that that seems to be the path because they're just very so carefully taking care of jade cargo yeah and i think there might be something to her and nyla rose going at it i think that they missed an opportunity to do something with those two when they're in that battle royal and fans seem to be behind both and when each of them got thrown out fans did not seem happy about that but uh, i i thought it felt like jade cargill's 14 and a half after tonight or like you know what i mean like because she got almost no offense i mean she did get to do but this was a lot of layla hirsch kind of really taking it to jade cargill which was very jarring to see because layla's great and all but just she's almost literally half of jade Cargill's size just throwing around like a rag doll and then finally jade cargill the only offense she really got was to like do the running kick so um I felt like it was a very interesting way to use Jay Cargill, considering, like you said, they are building her up as this kind of monster. She typically dominates her matches, but I do know that they are, you know, they really like Layla Hirsch, and uh, they want to do something with her. But Layla Hirsch got so much more than I thought that she would. For sure. All right, so we uh, uh, Punk's uh, still at the commentary desk, and then he gets interrupted by Hook and uh, Taz coming to start to, you know, uh, start to punk him out and start to provoke him. Punk standing there talking back and forth with them. Then all of a sudden, Powerhouse Hobbs attacks from behind. Hook and Hobbs begin to beat down and uh, start to choke out Punk. And then they proceed to slam Punk, not through, but on and off of this announce table that was not breaking at all. I don't even know. Like, I'm looking at this table. I'm like, I don't think that table is gimmicked to break. (laughs) It took Hobbs like a solid, like, 20 seconds. Or maybe it was, no, it was Hook. It took Hook a solid 20 seconds just to clear all the big bulky monitors and yeah. everything off of it. It's not like, you know, the WWE where it's ready to, to, to disassemble in a matter of, uh, of a second. Uh, and then they slam punk and boy, this had a brutal thud. It looked, I mean, it looked vicious, but uh, welcome back uh, 
to the wrestling world and for your broadcast uh, announce table spots there, CM Punk. Uh, and this, of course, ahead of Punk up against Powerhouse Hobbs next Friday on Rampage. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of watching this like, man, look at CM Punk sell that. It's like he never left. And I, I don't know if he was selling that. I think he was legitimately hurt because that did not look fun. They were, build, they were prepping that table to break, and he just, and, you know, Will Hobbs is a big man. He's a big boy. So, like, with all his strength slamming you and the table doesn't break, he'll be feeling that one. Uh, but, again, I think that did add to it in terms of now it looks much more painful as a, as a spot. And, and I like the fact they're doing this uh, on Rampage in New York, and uh, Hobbs is going to get a shot. It's a good story to tell with CM Punk going through Team Taz. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, you notable know, Ricky Starks is not out there. I mean, I think that's obviously that's got to be the end of the line, right? Is that yeah. Punk works his way to Starks? Uh, is what I think we go to. I'm surprised he started with Will Hobbs. I, I, I mean, I guess I don't know. If, is I don't know if CM Punk versus Hook is going to be a match, but I, I would think that theoretically, if we're going through the Pecking order it would be hooked first, but I don't know if he's ready for a match. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a hook match is on the table or not. I don't yeah. know if, if you know. I mean, CM Punk's good. I don't, you know, whether or not he's ready to carry a hook through a match, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I think if you're looking for, again, if you're trying to look for a little bit of an attraction for this big show, um, you know, maybe you sandwich hook in there between Hobbs and Stark. You, you sandwich hook in there at a at one of your regular run-of-the-mill dynamites rather than putting them in on a, on a pay-per-view caliber dynamite. Uh, Sean Spears versus Darby Allen. Uh, this, well, this, there's a spot here. They had the steel steps set up outside the ring, and uh, Sean Spears is basically sitting on the steps, and Darby Allen does a suicide dive from the outside, just a yeah. violent-looking spot. That would set right up for Darby to hit the coffin drop for the win. After the match, FTR's in the ring, and FTR begins to go out of them and Tully, Beating up with Darby and Sting, uh, Tubby kind or Tully kind of rekindling uh, an old feud with Sting, hitting him with the chair. Uh, so you know, uh, FTR, like I said, they came back out here. They get some more relevance. Uh, looks like that's where we could be headed. Is a uh, another match here involving Sting here with uh, Darby up against FTR and Tully Blanchard. Um, this got a pretty big reaction for the crowd. I mean, they yeah. beat the hell out of Sting. They started wiping his face paint off. The same thing that which they had actually did in the match. Uh, to Darby Allen, so this this got some some decent reaction. A lot of heat. Yeah, I like this. See, this it kind of speaks to them. My boy, this is the antithesis of what I think AEW's problem is in that these guys actually come off like legit heels that you know piss people off because they did it to Darby and they did it to Sting, and I think it was a very clever way. It's got to be a Tully call. This does sound like an old school angle you would do to get people pissed off, uh, but I just love this. I, I you know I, I personally don't like seeing Sting get his face paint uh, wiped off, and so the kind of you know hit those. Trigger points, I think, was a very clever move in order of getting heel heat. Yeah, I agree. It is, just, well, it is a very old school. It's, it sounds so. It sounds so. Uh, <clears throat> you know, simple and trivial when you say like, "Oh, yeah. we're going to wipe his face paint off." But the way they did it, it felt just like such disrespect. The way that it was actually very created. much so. Yeah, it felt like sacrilege. Sacrilege. I like it. Tony Schiavone brings out Brian Danielson to the ring, and before he could even really speak, he's immediately cut off by Don Callis and Kenny Omega. <laughs> I think Don Callis called him a millionaire hippie. Uh, which I kind of got a nice pop out of that. Uh, and and Brian uh, dropping piece of shit a few times. Doesn't want to have anything to do with Omega or excuse me, the callus. He, he's here for Omega. He wants he wants the best in the ring. He wants Kenny Omega. And Kenny Omega ultimately does, in fact, answer the challenge much to much to Don Callis's uh, disagreement. And so next Wednesday, Daniel Bryan versus the AEW world champion, Kenny Omega. I'm just going to ask you right now, Alfred. Daniel Bryan or. Brian Danielson's not losing his first match, is he? No, I think he has to win this match. And I think it's a way to maybe justify a world title match not too long from now because it's not like Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson just declared himself number one contender. You know, he beat the world champion. So that kind of, I guess, gives him leeway to be a number one contender. But um, I definitely think that uh, Brian Danielson wins this match. But I don't think that is the big question. I think. The thing about this match is it is going to be competing with some of the giants that you've ever seen. This is going to be competing with the ghosts of Okada Omega. Like, I think the attraction of this match is, will this be the greatest wrestling match of all time? Because on paper, you put Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, and the implication is that these are two of the best ever, and they are capable of having the greatest match of all time. I do not think that is too much pressure to put on a match like this. So I'm sure it's going to be great, and I'm not going to be disappointed if it's like one of the greatest matches I see ever, which I'm expecting, but it very well may be the greatest wrestling match of all time. That is the ceiling for this match. 
That's, that's a hell of a is it is it is it non-title? Like, did they clarify? Non-title, yes, they made it, it clear that that's the only reason I think Brian Danielson is winning his first match is because I believe they, you know, Brian Danielson said it's not about the title, and that's further to this narrative. Not about the title; it's about like the fight, about the match, and you know who's better. But I, I do think they're going to work very hard to have this all-time classic. Okay, well, if it's non-title, then yeah, absolutely, Brian's winning. Um... I mean, I like that in the sense of like, because you know they did start the promo Omega and them saying, you know, who do you, who do you think and who do you think you are? He's going to come and you know go right to the champion, you know, what would have you. So I mean, I kind of like Brian saying, okay, look, I'll go for a non-title, like I'll earn my way. I guess they could work it to their advantage. Give the people a really good match next week. You know, there's there's this expectation, excitement. Give them a really good match next week, and then if Brian wins and it inevitably leads to the next match, which is for the title go from really good then you yeah. know you want to deliver the great so don't give them everything next week hold some stuff back and then i guess really deliver whenever it comes time for that title to be in a line but uh yeah that's hey. a good point especially if they follow because kind of like well, well look christian and kenny omega they did something similar and then sure. rampage they helped but, but i will say the match they had it all out i didn't even think paled any, i thought paled in comparison to what they did at, at rampage um so hopefully they're able to actually you know go and come up with something different all right, main event time. We got uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley up against 2.0. Kingston and Moxley coming out from the crowd, and uh, much much as what 2.0's mo has become, they attack from behind, which I think is always smart. If you have a guy that's always going to come out from the crowd, use it to your advantage. Sneak up on him. You got fifteen thousand people to hide behind. Uh, so I like this kind of all out craziness going on. Uh, Kingston and Moxley get the win, but the story is what happens after the match. Uh, Minoru uh, Suzuki he comes out, of course, to play it off of. Uh, the Suzuki incident, and, and they touched on it earlier in the night and in the match from last week. Uh, Suzuki's out there. Uh, Lance Archer comes, and he pulls Kingston out of the ring. And then Kingston and Archer are fighting everywhere. Suzuki and Moxley fighting everywhere. Uh, this is how we go off the air, just absolute chaos and bedlam. Uh, I'm glad because I was a little curious when I saw this match's last and then the way that the match ended. I'm looking. I'm like, all right, got to end with something bigger than this. So uh, is this a bigger story than you know, Brian and Kenny or some of the other things. I don't necessarily think it is, but at least they went off on a hot, chaotic kind of fashion of where it was like, you know, just, you know, the cameraman could barely stand up in the fight that was going on in the crowd, which I thought was a fun way to go out. Yeah, and they addressed and rectified the Suzuki incident, which was a lot of fun on Twitter. And uh, they had... Uh, Maduro Suzuki come out like at the very end of the show into the Kazanin Nare. I was thinking that they might troll the audience, and just as he was getting the Kazanin Nare there, oh, good night, everybody! <laughs> Turn it off. Along. But no, they let the fans sing along. So uh, that, that was good that he at least got his moment. Uh, but yeah, this is very. This did remind me of kind of WCW era Nitro. A lot of those Nitros, especially when NWO would come out, would end with just these big brawls. So I got to ask here, as we see Lance Archer, and of course they make note how Archer and Suzuki, they have history uh, teaming together in New Japan. Uh, are we done with Jake the Snake Roberts? Is that- That's a good question. This is the first time I've even thought about him since I don't know how long. I forgot he was even there. So maybe he just quietly parted ways with AEW. Maybe we see him go and show up at WWE. Maybe he'll be the first one to cross <laughs> the line and go to WWE. But that's a good question because I have not seen him for over a month now. Yeah, I just I it, was, it dawned on me like we we saw a promo earlier in the night that had Archer and Suzuki, which kind of like foreshadowed <clears throat> to their appearance live here. And I remember thinking after I watched that promo, I'm like, man, like Jake and Archer were doing some, especially during the pandemic, empty house shows. They were doing some great promos and the vignettes, yeah. and Jake just kind of fits so well with him. And then like, <laughs> I don't know. Now all of a sudden, I don't know if Jake's just not traveling or if what, what you know what the situation is here. But I just felt like it's a huge gap that's gone unexplained you know and, and this is not the first that we've seen this in AEW with their uh quick to change their booking direction as a, as a with managers I mean we you know Vicky Guerrero originally brings Andrade then he quickly gets pivoted over to Chavo when he just kicks Chavo to the like yeah, which by the way that's the whole thing I didn't even touch on the Andrade promo because I didn't really think it was worth noting but like they had a pre-tape promo of Andrade and I remember looking at this and promo going all right the guy's been here for about two months it's it's not been any better than his time in WWE uh, to this point. Like it's just they, you know, part of it's been the match that gets packed and get to happen when it's originally scheduled and whatever. But I'm just looking like, all right, the, the Andrade has exp- not had a better run yet. They need to like figure out, get some get some continuity here to the to his his booking. 
Yeah, yeah. This is one of those grass is always greener on the other side moments where it's just like, be careful what you wish for. But I do think they're kind of stalling time because I do think he's going to get paired with Ric Flair, which could be a lifeline for him um, if Ric Flair agrees to go to AEW, which, depending on who you talk to, may or may not happen. Hmm. The Mexican nature boy. <laughs> How do you say nature boy in, uh, in Spanish? Natural. El hijo natural. Oh. Oh, that could be something there. That could be something there. All right. Um, well, I mean, fun times ahead. Again, you know, four hours of AEW uh, next week or Wednesday and Friday. Uh, of course, we alluded to they got a big show at the end of the month with some rumors potentially coming from Rochester or what could come out of that. Uh, never mind what's going on in the WWE NXT world, but a lot going on in the wrestling world to be excited about and at least debate, if nothing else. Wrestling Inc. is the place to be. Wrestling Inc.'s got podcasts after all the shows, Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown and Rampage, the pay-per-views all here live on the YouTube and Twitch channels. And then if you can't catch them live or if you don't want to look at our faces, you can just download the audio after the fact. Take us wherever you might be going. Alfred, what's going on in the Forbes world? A lot of ratings talk. Uh, we're going to have uh, another story on whatever the rating does for tonight up tomorrow. There's some stuff on Raw's rating and Rampage's rating up right now. Very interesting to see. We might be in a stretch where Dynamite beats WWE Raw three weeks in a row if it does win tonight. Because you would think that next week for that New York show, with WWE going against my Green Bay Packers, which, you know, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers are a god's team, so they do good ratings. I'll be very interested to see if this holds up in terms of Dynamite beating Raw. But uh, we'll see about tomorrow's number. Because I really, as much as the show had a lot going on, it was entertaining. I don't know if this is a show that would do all that great in uh, 18 to 49, especially above the 556. But it does have a pretty low bar in terms of what WWE did. Yeah, low bar. Uh, the show, yeah, it was kind of a setup show. But I think next week's will be one to watch. I mean, next week, well, next Wednesday is absolutely stacked. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and see what WWE reacts with. <clears throat> Obviously, they did a, a you know. A quick, a quick to the trigger booking with the, with the big E and the excitement there, and the numbers did not translate, which I was actually surprised that it did not. Tra- I mean, I didn't expect it to be like, you know, <laughs> three million or something, but I was very surprised. I think one point six million. Yeah, um, I, I was just really, su- yeah, I was surprised that, that the Raw did not have any more of a bump out of just general curiosity. Uh, so, uh, what does that mean? Has as have they really lost that much of an audience that just has lost faith in them right now? If there's not. I do think NFL. I do think week one of the NFL really did hurt it uh, in terms of uh, that. That game was a fantastic game, by the way. It's really one of the best oh, NFL yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, and also, NFL was up twenty one percent this weekend for just people coming back to stand. So the element of live stadiums or full stadiums is really helping the NFL. Even though it did great numbers last year, it was down last year. But the NFL is a monster right now in terms of ratings with full stadiums. I think that really hurt uh, Raw. You heard it, Alfred predicting Aaron Rodgers and his Packers to do big things next week. <laughs> Sorry, listen, uh, I'd like to apologize. As part owner of the Green Bay Packers, as a shareholder, <laughs> I would like to apologize for if Raw goes down again next week, I apologize as a shareholder. That's not okay. You can apologize for your loss in week one? No, let's not talk about that. Just, <laughs> it was a preseason game. We get an extra game. It was a preseason game. Fourth preseason game. Spoken like a Packers fan. <laughs> All right. You can follow Matt. This is nasty. Follow me at Justin LeVar. Like, subscribe, comment, do what you got to do. We appreciate it. Be safe. And we'll talk to you next time. Go Pack Go. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.